Hi, I'm Rob Backhouse from Hassel, and this is Adam Scott from Free State. Hi, Adam, how are you? Hello. You might be familiar with Hassel Talks, our podcast series exploring the design challenges of today and tomorrow. We thought we'd do a little twist on that by coming at you in a remote chat direct from the early evening here in Melbourne. I'm in Melbourne, and it's just some sort of sort of sonar hide, and the early morning in London, uh, where Adam is. Our idea was to make this an open, what we call a creative conversation uh, about what's happening in the world of work, especially in the time of COVID, and especially around the urban, on the urban edge uh, of campuses where we've obviously done some work with large organisations, but also with universities and, and other typologies. A thing we regularly, usually have a lunch and a glass of wine, debate and discuss. I think Adam comes at it from the experiential, the planning, the software, I come at it from design, built environment, the architecture, interior architecture, interior design, or the hardware, not the software, would you say, Adam? Yeah, although it's not necessarily so much forces of one pitted against the other, but there is a yin and a yang. Yin and yang, yeah, 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 that's that's the deal. There is a C word theme here, I think, that the, uh, there is campus, there is collaboration, there is creative conversation. There is all these things. So let's let me dig into a bit of context for another C word. I I used to struggle in some ways to talk to people about the value of the experience. You know, people go, well, what do you mean by that? Do you mean the technology or do you mean the the kind of people that kind of run it? Or do you mean the space itself and the quality of the lighting and the sound? And it was like, no, I mean how everything comes together, how you think about it as time well spent. And I think now that thing that, you know, this social experiment has now taught us in terms of space well used versus time well spent, we now know more about time than Mm. ever before. And I think I'm I'm seeing it more and more a bit like a sort of kind of theatre kind of show that, you know, if we're going to be going in, if we're going to be taking those risks, if we're going to spending that time, if we're going to be dragged away from our kind of family, then we want that workplace to host an experience to really make it worth our while. And I think, as you say, you know, we're going to we want to be back, but we've raised the ante now. We want more, don't we? Oh, no, I definitely agree. And I think that is the golden opportunity here coming, I guess, out of COVID. I mean, it might be different now in London, for example, in other cities of Australia, they are going back to the workplace, you know, in almost some cities in 100% form. And because they're ahead of us and probably ahead of what you might be in London, it'll be interesting to see what nuances do start to occur and what things pop up when people talk about a hybrid, you know, like every meeting now, will it have, even if you're in a room with people, will they need to be someone else or multiple people on a screen in a in a box and then you know i've already been in meetings like that and it starts getting really quite different and as an experience and quite difficult compared to just all eight of you ten of you whatever being on screen the 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 democracy of all being on zoom or teams or whatever you're on is pretty powerful actually versus what might be five people in a room and three not you know but i think this premise of it what's going to lure us back out of our pajamas i mean yeah, we, we yeah. gravitate to cities because of all the richness that goes on in them and our workplaces are in those cities with all that richness so i don't think the lure will be as hard as some people suggest yeah i find it interesting the whole you know what it's like to be in that meeting room one thing that always struck me that was 
totally shit about the contemporary world of work is no matter how glamorous the interior and extraordinary the lighting and everybody you know oh the 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 joy of the gigantic screen you'd always spend 15 minutes trying to get it working and then when i started working with google i was blown away by the fact that they had hosts facilitators for 15 minutes almost setting the scene in the same way that a great theater company has the back of house teams that come in and make sure that you have everything you need and everything works and all of a sudden you sit down and you begin and i think that kind of hosting and facilitation is something we're going to want more and more more back of house well what do you think about that i'm all for it and i absolutely think that um a hybrid as you say technology and physical thing to work will need that orchestrating you know i think uh the frustration that will occur if there isn't that degree of intent you know and you know planning and and support you know i I know we're doing projects at the moment where we're looking at well maybe we don't need as much space you know in this building in the city for people to come to work and we can reconsider their whole experience of work but it's not to reduce this not to reduce cost though because actually as soon as you start trying to stage manage and do what you do in experience design you need to up the you know the opex versus the capex even to make it hosted and 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 looked after you know because you can't then rely on quite as much self-organizing perhaps to you know when everyone's got a dedicated desk or they've got something close to a dedicated work point the hosting is going to be critical and i think people organizations uh even universities might use maybe a bit less space but then how to manage it and program it will require more effort and and investment yeah yeah i think if we're going to judge these organizations more from productivity and if we're going to have ever more agile fragmented and flexible teams I think how we train and support those individuals, like for instance, I, you know, Airbnb, I went around their corporate campus a year and a half ago, and I was blown away by in the same way that they have hosts and talk about hosts within their organization that face the customer. They do the same in the same way they work with their, their, their community, their stakeholders, their employees, and they storyboard the journey so that they can look at where they need hosts and where they speak to their, each host has a hundred different employees they work with. And as a result, they then curate the different scenarios and they do it in such a way that you might have American football going over on over here at four o'clock. And then at five o'clock, you'll say have a pizza evening and then you'll have a quiz going on at seven o'clock, all in different parts of the buildings. And so that you're, you're mixing up different groups, you're breaking down the silos, you're introducing different departments to one another. And I think, you know, things that you and I have talked about, like when projects for AMP or ANZ or, or Arup or, or other organizations beginning with A, you know, I think that's often been the critical thing, hasn't it? But it's how one makes these pieces work together, isn't it? How you make the hardware work with the software, because I think traditionally, you know, this conversation we, we've been having, there will be talk about curation, and then often that gets value engineered out the end, or, it, or essentially the OPEX funds are not made available because it isn't fundamental to the vision. Do you see that will change as we move forward? Oh, I hope so. I think this disruption that we've been through, though, has certainly just opened up a lot of clients' eyes to, oh, we're going to have to think about this differently again. And one of the most exciting things about working in 
the design or the creation of workplaces now coming at it you know, hopefully with more experience dimensions and, and other things is that because of this disruption i think it's really leveled all of the client base to to, to say and to be open-minded to going back to some really first principle questions again yeah. like what does it mean to belong to this organization versus that one if I was sitting at home the whole time or most of the time, like um, there are so many other symbols of culture, identity and other things that are going to be critical to people wanting to work for someone or for some organisation or institution, that um, those symbols and identity markers and, and, and things that are very much not just in architecture and interiors um, are going to be really critical. They're going to be differentiators, they're going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. you know authentic or inauthentic you know markers of values and uh, all sorts of other dimensions everyone's asking us so what's going to happen next what are we going to do next what, what's it going to mean to workplace design the fact that they're asking that question because they have had to and they now have to yes. because this massive disruption is really it's great because it yeah. eliminates a lot of presumptions that get too easily value engineered as i think yeah. you're alluding to you know yeah and I think it's, it's a real Emperor's New Clothes moment, isn't it? I think all of a sudden, a little boy in the crowd has said, look, he's naked. He's yeah. not wearing those wonderful kind of clothes that we thought he was. In this sense, like for me, I see it particularly with students, you know, all these poor sods sitting at home, you know, sitting in their halls of residence, you know, paying the same amount of money for a course happening online. And then they're saying, but where's the experience? How am I going to meet the the girl or boy of my dreams? Where's my startup partner? Where's all those joyous serendipitous moments? On in terms of the campus experience and spirit of campus, that's what we all want, whether we're a student or a, an employee, don't you think? I guess in workplace, large scale workplaces that we have obviously been uh, involved in a lot over the years have for a long time now had this campus analogy that is really when people say it they do mean some of those experiential qualities i think of a university campus um but it is a slightly different typology but i do think now post covid it's going to be that that you know well what is my experience is it just going to be sitting here on my own finishing the stuff i'm set as a task or you know endless zoom meetings that then feel like I'm not producing or doing or, you know, there's all sorts of aspects to that. I mean, I, I'm reminded of something Adam, you and I have always talked about. The build it and they will come analogy doesn't, we, you know, you and I both believe that doesn't work and it's not enough. I mean, Jan Gell said it better that, if, you know, first comes ex experience is not the buildings and cities or it never works if you do it the wrong way around, you know. I agree. And I think, I mean, just to gold plate that, I think this first life thing, you know, one thing we're finding is working very hard for us at the moment, and a lot of projects, you know, you and I have both been on, I'm starting to talk about it as, as beta permanent, the idea that, you know, you're doing small things, perpetually field testing, finding your audience, checking if it's relevant, you're saying, you know, like you say, don't build it, they'll come, involve me, and I'll come again and again and again. And I think that sort of always meanwhile spirit is what developers will need to get their heads around and estate managers will need to get their heads around that there it's not enough to say on day one we're perfect now let's maintain it 
day mm -hmm. one is merely the time where you go now let's get better and better and better yeah. as we learn from our audience and become increasingly relevant and i think particularly whether it's millennials or generation z i think the idea that this restless energy around us cares deeply about whether we get involved is fundamental to the you know the future oh, of this type yeah i totally agree but can i challenge you on one point there that does yeah, yeah. worry me when I talk to clients about designing the interior environments and or integrated buildings that, that, that are in this sort of typology is the idea of, what did you say, permanent beta or beta? Or sort of beta permanent, yeah, beta no. testing. In the yeah, so the only danger I find with that is that then that gets taken into a realm of, oh, so we must have ultimate flexibility that we can change sure. the set and do whatever we want anytime we want because we don't know what anyone wants so so and you get into this thing where i'm almost i almost get to the point where i've and i've said it to a few clients yeah, like yeah. what so you just want to you just want a scout hall you know like yeah. as long as you've got a big space clear floor stackable foldable wheelable velcro whatever and that's it and they go oh yeah and the problem i have with that or what why i think that needs to be challenged still somewhat is not that it's not practically a good idea maybe but I think the millennials is it, or a multi-generational workforce does want other sorts of amenity experientially and in yeah. quirky and weird ways. They are yeah. attracted to things that do start to connect to identity and belonging and uh, they are cues and symbols for something that if you denuded of character yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. in favour of always being flexible, yeah. Yeah. you could actually end up with just a bunch of sheds. And I yeah. don't think that would serve a brand or an organisation well in yeah. the culture it might pursue or want, in, a, in the people it attracts and retains. I think that's a real tension, yeah. you know, between those two things. I, I completely agree with you. And I, I think actually, you know, what we're talking about here is that the, 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 the danger of everybody talking about flexibility is it becomes totally meaningless. Exactly. That, that this needs to be intentional. There needs to be a clear vision. And also the reason I'm thinking about the beta permanently is every move, it gets better. And you go, oh, that really worked. Let's kind of fix that. Let's do it more permanently. And I think in that way, you know, one, the small moves lead yeah. to the bigger moves and it becomes more intentional because you're right. You know, the other version of it is is just a kit of meaningless parts. And there is no respect for our audience in that. That's just that's just the organization trying, pretending to be efficient and gold plating flexibility. I, I, I totally with you. And it's not that you don't want some of or a lot of that flexibility, but I still think if, and I'm talking MySpace my more hardware, the design of yeah. space, not your design of time and experience so much, all those things send messages and tell people about an organization, a culture, a brand. To some degree, it's why our studios, the Hassel Studios around the world, have typically been in recycled um, old building fabric like warehouse spaces yeah. because actually the character that we can get out of those spaces to get a weird tension for us between spaces that don't project too much of a singular style because we, you know, we, we are conceptually diverse and we don't have necessarily a singular dogma but there's character in the volumes and the nature of old buildings that's a bit rough yeah. and a bit different, a bit 
quirky and messy and that has massive amounts of symbols for the people we attract to come and work with us not just the project work you know as opposed to sitting in a tower and a building high rise blah 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 you know and i i I love that i mean i think you know and particularly i think uh, you know stories of adaptive reuse now and that rub of different stories i mean you know it gives us that delicious dopamine rush you know going into your studio in in sydney and thinking about the wool traders thinking about you know that that you know the energy of that factory building and then now the stories of contemporary architecture and interiors and events all going on together is is delicious it's delicious i think then if i'm i think then on that point on the blur i think we've just written a book for the riba over here in britain which is called Rethink, and it's about how the industry will re-emerge post-pandemic, which in some ways seems a little premature in Britain, but let's hope uh, it's going to be soon It's optimistic, maybe. That's right, optimistic, that's it. Stark optimism is actually the first chapter, so you'll enjoy that. And so what it it sort of talks a lot about at the end, it rallies around the idea of a co-created campus that enjoys this blur we're speaking of, which is a blur of old and new, but it's also a blur of sort of things that are learned from the ground up and things where visions come from the top down. And I think what I'm anti about there, as I was gonna say, just to kind of call it out, is I'm very anti the sort of, I suppose, the, the more the Apple Park view of the world. For me, that idea that it's a sort of... Are you going down the anti-architecture route here? or where, where, I'm, just, I'm just teasing out that rather than me being anti-architecture, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in being possibly post-architecture. And so I'm going to just, just push you on this because I think, you know, this is what we want. So, for instance, the closed source campus of Apple Park, for me, is a problem. Fetishizing the product over the people is is a problem and obviously so much of what we're talking about here which is about not about the singular workplace not about kind of gold plating workplaces weird show home that is like your ideal domestic interior supercharged but is something that is about a rich process we talked about hosting it's talking about experience and it evolves and changes over time is i think what is uh you know an ideal for the future, not for everybody, but I think that's the thing that I find myself railing against. And I'm interested in what, what you think about that. I'm, if we were on a debate team and you had to debate the positive or negative argument on, say, Apple versus maybe, let's say, Airbnb, right? Okay. I think I could, I don't know how comfortably, but I could argue either way because I, I would argue whilst I everything you're probably alluding to there with the Apple closed you know source uh, you know sort of singular uh, it's 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 fetishizing, fetishizing beauty of the product more maybe than what humans are like but I'd probably argue that that is very appropriate and authentic to Apple and I think people love their apple objects you know like not just the interface and the software but they love the objects so objectifying that 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 space source of building i mean you know i think it's awesome i haven't been there in the flesh yet but um i i would tend to agree on what makes a great workplace a lot of the attributes that i've seen in how that building's been published i'd think oh it's it's it doesn't seem right to me for people yeah. But I kind of get it for them and what they seem to do very well. Whereas then yeah. you got 
Airbnb, which I've had other clients talk about, oh, we want like Airbnb. You know, they have, yeah. they have these themed meeting rooms that are like, you know, the house you can rent in Sao Paulo, or, you know, like, and I'm just like, yeah, but that's authentic to them. That's what they have and that's what they do. So their thematics, which are eclectic and some are a bit silly and some are actually kind of cool and others are just a mess and, you know, like the, the, the chaos in that is clearly authentic to the, what Airbnb does and is around the world. So, um, you know, Airbnb's people shoved into an Apple campus would, I presume, be a disaster and vice versa, Do you know, yeah. if you talk about the space and the architecture and all the symbols that come with, you know, interiors and objects and buildings. The, the idea, I think the debating team thing is good because also equally, I would enjoy being on the debating team for the apple park just for the hell of it because i think also in terms of like a you know like learning from las vegas that great book that talks about inhabited billboards and the history in, in americana of you know it's a hot dog stand and therefore it's a massive hot dog and that's where i get my authentic hot dogs i, love I it. get that you know <laughs> I hey that's right big pineapple big sheep big banana I, i'm all for that but it's like if it's appropriate, if it's authentic, if it resonates with what that organisation, that brand, that institution yeah. is all about, you know, really quite seriously and, and passionately, yeah. you know, bring it on. That's where I'm kind of agnostic around yeah. even design style, if you want to use that kind of yeah. poor use of word. But, um, you know, I think the exciting thing about designing workplaces, I find, is trying to find that authentic diversity in our clients and the, the organizations we work for as opposed to me walking in saying i only like red so every every job i do will be red i mean I, it's just not i don't think what we do i get that and also i think there's a thing that within what you do so well and, and the reason why you know i think you and i have always enjoyed working together is i heard it described by a comedian once as rather than uh, deja vu which is you know you see something and go ha ha I've seen that before. I, I'm familiar with that, which, to be honest, too many designers do. I think you need to approach it as Vuja Day, where you go, aha, I have never seen that before in my life. And like yeah. a good anthropologist, like Diana Fossey with her gorillas, you go, right, let's look at that afresh. Let's learn from exactly that and be authentic to only that moment. Yes. And I think that's critical. To the I like it. I think it's it's good then i suppose one last thing on that is that i think you know we've, we've sort of rallied a little bit on campus and brand and i think there is something here in terms of the brand home you know if i think about i think my favorite uh you know brand that understands that employees and customers and community we're all the same we're all stakeholders in this you know in, in and we want to share a purpose together and i think you know, brands creating that home, whether it's the object or whether it's the kind of, you know, the joyous event is going to be, I think, ever more critical if we're going to better attract and involve our audiences. And I wonder what you're seeing about that in terms of, I suppose, also workplace being possibly a little more fractured or fragmented or polycentric or whatever you want to call it and saying rather than it's here, it happens in all these places. And I, I wonder, it's not so much hub and spoke, but almost, you know, brand home as a spirit rather than a singular place. And I wonder what you're seeing in terms of that, uh, that mood. 
Pre-COVID, we were asked a question by one of the largest banks in Australia. So what do you think, where's Workplace going? Before you start this new big job for us, we just want you to tell us where you think it's going. And I don't think we're the only people to coin this phrase, but we, we did coin it without researching or referencing it. And I've since seen it pop up elsewhere as well. But we sort of talked about this idea of the branded clubhouse. Now, a clubhouse might allude to something being a bit smaller and more intimate, but ignore scale for the moment and just think about a brand. If if people can work anywhere and, you know, work is somewhere you want to be more and more, not that you have to be. And I, um, again, talking pre-COVID, to us, the natural extension of this was heading down a route where the city and our cities would be more the social kind of magnet of, of, of you know, a population and that they would be inhabited by clubhouses in multiple multiple forms and different variations, whether they be corporate or institutional or education based or, you know, they could be all sorts of different things. And that that would over time perhaps see people being less reliant on having to go to the city day in, day out and sit at a desk. Yeah. And all we've seen since, you know, thanks to a pandemic, is that just go on, you know, high speed. So um, as I say, maybe the branded clubhouse terminology is not for everyone and it might not be unique, but it's certainly something we're already seeing commissions on in, in Australia and the and in the uh, overseas in the States and so on. Of people saying, okay, well, we do want our identity and our culture and how we uh, induct and teach and um, develop our people and develop their relationships with each other, the social capital that is so critical to trust, which arguably I would I would say trust is so critical to productivity and innovation and creativity and collaboration, whatever you're doing, you know, whether you're a bank, a lawyer, or an architect or, or whatever. So this idea of the brand of Clubhouse, if people can do some of the other work anywhere, on a, on a plane, in an airport lounge, well, maybe not at the moment, but, you know, on a beach uh, or locked in my house for six months yeah. in Melbourne, um, I st I'm missing my my clubhouse, you know, like the Mickey Mouse clubhouse, treehouse, it could be a treehouse, whatever it is. Um, that's, I think, what you're alluding to there that we've been talking about, that um, somewhere that denotes, symbolises and gives me all the cues and messages to connect to the people I'm, I'm, I'm my tribe, I think it's tied to place. And there are organisations that have no place, and that's cool. They find other ways to do it. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying I think a lot of us do want to sit around together and, you know, talk to each other and do things together, you know. So I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, and you've heard me bang on about this before, I think thinking about the shaman in his or her cave 30,000 years ago, you know, the, the cave yes, was important. The idea of it there as a place removed from your day to day, but then also was the fire, was the song, was the food, was the dance, the rituals that grew around it and the relationship of the shaman to broker that relationship between the individuals there, the rituals themselves and the place. And I think that's what we're, I think, understanding more and more, that it needs to be fully loaded across all of those elements. We're going back to the thing that was always true. I remember, you know, like my favourite day at school when I was very little would be, you know, if it was a sunny day, which obviously in Britain, so rare, 
you know, we'd, we'd go out and sit under a tree and have a story and how wonderful that was to be there, you know, with the smell, the sound, the energy of this particular kind of old oak tree and then the teacher telling a story. And I think in some ways it is that multi-dimensional, multi-sensorial narrative piece that we're going to want more and more. So thanks again for joining us for Hassle Talks in a slightly different form, what I call a creative conversation, just to design as creatives, chewing the fat, really. Thank you, Rob. It's been a delight. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast, check out all the episodes and stay tuned for more conversations like this one. Thanks for tuning in.